BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you and uh, from, from our brand new studio in Portland, Oregon. And so just a, a quick caveat, uh, the, the moving company from hell is who we hired. <laughs> and not all of our stuff is here. So our set is not quite the way it's going to be shortly, and I'll be telling you more about the moving company from hell. In fact, it's going to be a great conversation, but I don't want to have it until after we get our stuff and I initiate my lawsuit against this company. But that said, and that done, here we are, and it's our first hour, and Congressman Mark Pocan is on the line with us, uh, representing the 2nd District of Wisconsin, co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, the website pocan.house.gov, and uh, our, our phone number, 202 uh, it's still the same phone number, even though we've moved. Uh, and, and, and we'll be doing the show from D.C. from time to time, too. I mean, you know, we're going to. But anyhow, 202-808-9925. Uh, Congressman Pocan, can you hear me? I can, Tom. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> we have been, you know, the, the engineering on this thing is just amazing. We built this studio here in Portland from scratch over about five days, I think it's been, you know, Saturday through today. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the guys who did this work are just spectacular. And uh, uh, Dave Fulton in particular really, really helped. And Arthur, and I, I'm sorry, Arthur, your last name? Rosado. And, uh, and Sean and, and uh, Troy and, and Nate and everybody else is just incredible. But anyhow, Congressman, thanks so much for being with us today. And just, you know, let people know they can call for the next hour. You'll be, you'll be taking calls. And uh, so what's, what's on your mind? What's happening in Washington, D.C. right now? Well, you know, a lot's going to probably happen today and maybe today and tomorrow from what we're hearing. I mean, the president just uh, did some executive orders to try to uh, take apart the Affordable Care Act. And he, uh, at least in the last, I think, half hour, this has all happened. Um, he started the process to make it uh, so that he can disrupt the markets enough that uh, we will have a collapse and, and everything they've wanted to do. He's now trying to do an end run through executive orders, which I'm sure are going to be challenged. Uh, and this is an that, old Republican game. I mean, you know, closely. Um, also, we expect uh, perhaps oh, a certification of the Iranian uh, nuclear deal uh, to happen imminently also. And lots of troubles with that. So really just today and tomorrow, potentially, there's going to be a, a lot of activity, much less, you know, the normal week's worth of tweets, uh, you know, threatening this morning to pull out of uh, Puerto Rico because he's done such a, an amazing job um, down there and, and everything else that we're following. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely bizarre. Um, this is an old Republican game. I remember this from the 1980s. In fact, I remember David Stockman talking about it after he left the White House and was uh, being more contrite. Um, and, and specifically, it is break government, then stand around and loudly scream, hey, it's broken. And uh, we need to bring some of our for-profit friends in here to fix this, to replace this, to do this, whatever, and uh, then privatize everything. Yeah, and you know, on, on health care, I mean, the real problem, that's why we've been fighting as hard as we've been fighting, which is what we spent the first really nine or ten months of the year on, is that if you make it so that people who have pre-existing conditions, people who actually need health care, can't get health care, which is exactly what the president did today in his orders, um, you know, that, that defies the logic of health care, right? It's not uh, health care just for those who are healthy. The whole idea behind insurance is you have to actuarially have it all work out. But the bottom line is if you're sick, 
Uh, we, you know, we have, as a society, I think, and most Western societies, certainly through the, the single-payer systems they have, uh, have recognized that's a shared responsibility. And here we're going, taking a huge step backward to making it a system for people who don't really need health care, can get really cheap, barely health care, and then everyone else may not be able to get anything at all, and those are the people who actually need it. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. So um, uh, we've got a board full of calls whenever you want to whenever you want to go to them. If, if there's anything, though, that you wanted to, uh, you know, let people know about that they should be looking for or that they, you know, what what's a call to action for the week? You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I think, you know, a watch between today and tomorrow, like I said, we expect either later today or tomorrow also action on the Iranian deal to make sure they don't have a nuke. But we think, again, this is something that's going to be extremely disruptive. We're already putting a lot of attention and trying to make sure we don't have a World War III with North Korea, and now we're going to open up another problem in the world. Um, you know, this is the stuff I'm hearing the most at home. People are most concerned about. Just be ready for action. Follow, yeah. you know, the groups like Indivisible and all the other groups that you're following and get ready to have your voices magnified and be able to, to be heard. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So you want to pick up some phone calls here? Absolutely. Okay, let's go for it. And by the way, I just uh, it's, it's uh, so great talking to you again, Congressman Pocan, and it's also great being back on the air. <laughs> it's, uh, anyhow, Steve in New York, in Fort Ann, New York. Hey, Steve, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman Pocan. How are you today? I'm good, Steve. Thank you. How about you? Good. Listen, I was wondering, um, you know, President Trump, uh, I don't think he's a stable man, to be honest with you. And I'm wondering um, what your feelings are about it. There's no question. I mean, watching this person, how he acts and how he responds to things. I mean, when he was going to challenge his secretary of state to an IQ contest, I'm like, you know what? We don't need a contest. Anyone who goes to Puerto Rico and throws paper towels at people who just got hit by a hurricane, you, I don't need a Mensa test. You're, you're not Mensa. I can pretty much guarantee. Um, th- this is an unstable guy on multiple levels. So interestingly, right now I know Earl Blumenauer from Oregon just stopped me on the floor yesterday, and he's got a bill around the 25th Amendment, and there's several bills around the 25th Amendment, whether or not he's able Good. to be in office. But Earl's got a new bill that's going to specifically say that instead of the cabinet, which is appointed by the president, so if, someone, if they were about to take an action, he could fire them, instead to maybe have an alternative uh, cab, uh, group set up of maybe former presidents and vice presidents, people who've been in office. There's a lot of talk about this. So it's not just that people back home are saying, this guy seems unstable, what's he doing? We say this in Congress pretty much daily, and we're trying to figure out how to address that instability. Joel in Long Beach, California, you're on the air with Congress in Pocan. Yeah, this Joel. I just had a question. Uh, I know uh, Trump just signed a uh, synthetic repeal of ACA. I was wondering if we have a standing, if we take this to court to challenge it. Yeah, Joel, so that just happened literally in the last, I think, 30 minutes. I could be wrong. Maybe it was in the last hour. But uh, I am sure that, that somehow there will be some suits on this, right, to try to slow down what he's doing. Because if he does create enough uh, issues to crash the current ACA market, and then he can say, oh, he was right all along, and then he can, as we talked about, put this back into the hands of, of just the private market and make sure that a lot of people won't have health care, it's going to have devastating impact on a lot of people need it. When I do town halls, uh, probably the number one and two issues that come up are uh, health care, people worried about losing the health care for their family, for their children, and then uh, issues like North Korea where, you know, it seems like uh, the president is just about as unstable as their leader, and uh, it's a battle of two unstable leaders, and, and people are worried about the ramifications. So, you know, this is one where um, I think people are going to be very woke to, uh, and groups are going to be looking at suits, and I would anticipate that will happen. Yeah. Congressman, we have uh, uh, just a little less than a minute till we hit the break. Uh, the, the 25th Amendment has to originate with the cabinet or with the vice president? I don't have my pocket the constitution cabinet. here with and, me. But the problem is the cabinet is all essentially appointed by the president. So uh, what people are, are fearful, at least at Earl's legislation, is looking at an alternative place that you can go to just in case. The problem is these are not like political points. These are real things we're trying to figure out how you deal with, because every time we watch this president be more and more um, appearingly you know, unstable in his actions, we're trying to figure out how to make sure that you know, we don't have dire consequences for the American people. So you know, this is just the most recent attempt by Earl, and, and other people also have legislation around the 25th Amendment. Yeah, remarkable stuff. 
Con uh, Congressman Mark Pocan with us. It's our Middays with Mark, a uh, day late, but we're here, and it's a great thing. Uh, we'll be back in just, uh, in just a minute with more of Congressman Mark Pocan. Uh, you can check out his website at pocan.house.gov, and uh, you can tweet him at rep, as in representative, R-E-P, Mark Pocan. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Back with Congressman Mark Pocan answering your questions right after this. And welcome back. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Douglas in Orlando, Florida. Douglas, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. How are you, sir? How are you doing today? Good, Douglas. I have a Thank question. You. But my reception here is pretty bad, so please bear with me. Hopefully the phone doesn't drop. But I have a, a question on this video that I just saw of you talking about the reason the Star Spangled Banner shouldn't be honored by black people, and you went into discussing the author of it and Tom, um, someone on, you were mentioning someone on Twitter. What are you talking about, Douglas? Yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah, that Douglas, I'm sorry, that makes no sense. Um, the uh, and maybe you want to speak to this, Congressman. Uh, my understanding of taking a knee is protesting police brutality against people of color. Period. End of discussion. It's got nothing to do with with uh, the flag or the Star Spangled Banner or, or you know uh, anything like that. It is. I mean, uh, I I could build a case. The third verse of the Star Spangled Banner uh, celebrates the death of freed slaves. Uh, you know who fought for the British. Um, you know, I could build a case for that, but that's, I don't, I don't think that you and I have ever talked about this. And, and, and I think the president has tried to take, has tried to strip the police brutality issue out of this thing altogether. Well, it, it, two takes on it, uh, Tom. One, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, the president's trying to create a diversion, right? He's got plenty of problems he's dealing with and he wants to find something to rally around and the flag and the national anthem are always great things to rally people around in this case, completely unrelated to what's happening, uh, what you're having is uh, people who are taking their free speech rights and trying to make a point uh, that the fact that they've got some visibility, if they can raise awareness to what's happening, where a young, innocent, uh, generally a black man, uh, is shot uh, by a rogue law enforcement officer, that they're trying to raise the awareness of what's happening. I do think, though, secondly, is that I, I do think, Tom, that at some point it has grown to be this kind of gr greater sign of you know, some of the inequities in general uh, that uh, people of color face in this country. And I think that, you know, maybe that's just a, a little bit of an expansion of where it's at. But, you know, when the president attacked it, it, it became even more of a reason to say, you know, one, what he's saying is not true. He's just trying to create a diversion. But two, you know, now we're trying to silence a very real issue of what's happening across the country. And the fact that a football player uh, is probably still uh, greatly affected, they themselves, uh, by being profiled which is why uh, having them being able to have that free speech right is so important. And I was very disappointed to see the NFL cave for no reason to uh, the president on this. I thought it was very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, very, very strange stuff. Uh, let's see here. Gail in Tucson, Arizona. Gail, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, thank you for taking my call. This is the first time I've, I've actually called. I'm so excited. Thank you. Um, oh, I Gail, just wonder, you know, it? what... Scott Pruitt. I mean, oh, well, Trump, 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 Trump. But underneath the, behind the scenes, Scott Pruitt is dismantling the EPA and, 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 and setting about destroying everything that, that we worked for for so many years. And, and what can, well, if I call my congressman or my senator, what can they do? What can you do? Can you possibly rein in this? Okay, this quick, quick answer, congressman. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to give a little broader one, Gail. I mean, in general, people have been calling in, and it's having tremendous effects. We're winning. The reason we've defeated health care up to this point is because so many people have called up and said, no, this is a bad plan, and they can't move it politically, even though they're doing it for their real reason is to lower taxes for the richest. So when it comes to Scott Pruitt, he wants to do devastating things to our environment. Uh, just get volumes of calls into your elected officials. There you go. It will have an effect, and we can try to do what we can to stop bad legislation. Welcome back. Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us taking your calls in Midday with Mark here on the Tom Hartman program. Typically on a Wednesday. Today is Thursday. It's just as good. Uh, let's see. So uh, pick up our calls here. John in uh, Los Angeles here on the air with Congressman Pocan. 
Yes, uh, Congressman, one of the questions I have is that is it possible that Donald Trump could be a distraction? Uh, we're, we're not concentrating on our next election to get the new Senate and Congress people set in place so we can keep Obamacare and we can veto anything that he tries to uh, do. Is it possible that this could just be the buffoon they put in place in order to keep this circus going? So we will neglect all our duties in, in electing the next official because there's no talk about the next people coming up in the Congress. So we need to take back over the Congress and the Senate as Democrats or independents. Yeah, let me add that that what John is describing is sort of what happened in the year and a half prior to the, the last November's election, which is Trump was continuously getting coverage, most of it negative coverage, but it still helped him. So your thoughts, Congressman? Yeah, you know, I think the, the concern is a valid one that you want to make sure that that's not happening. The, the good news, I can tell you, is that um, the, the American people are, again, as, you, as you'd expect, way ahead of uh, where elected officials in Washington and, and government uh, is at on this. And people are just coming out of the woodwork, getting ready to run for office. Uh, we've got literally hundreds of districts that have people announced. And it's not just a candidate. It's uh, often five or six or nine people running in a primary uh, to try to a challenge an incumbent Republican in the House or the Senate. So there, it is happening. Um, people are really active doing races. Uh, this happens to be a week where we had uh, about 100 of these folks out here, and I met a bunch the last several days. Uh, they are energized. So no one's not keeping their eye on, on the ball as far as we have to win in 2018 to really put a real goalie in place. Um, and while the president may seem like a distraction, the problem is he still has a lot of real powers. We're dealing with that and we're dealing with the elections. I think we're walking and chewing gum, but the good news is the American people are on top of this, and they're, they're coming out in record numbers to run for office to represent their communities. John in uh, Vancouver, Washington. Hey, John, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, I had a question about uh, maybe having term limits for the Supreme Court. I mean, initially a lifetime appointment meant it was when a lifetime was ending before senility set in. And I read something about this, about an 18-year term where it would roll so that in the first and the third year of a presidency, they would be, they'd be appointing somebody to the Supreme Court. Hmm. Hmm, interesting. I, I haven't heard a whole lot of discussion on that, John. So, um, you know, our life expand, uh, expectancy has, has grown a little bit, but I don't know if it's quite at the point where, you know, we need to totally revisit this. Yeah, most um, of the founders were in their 70s and, and, yeah, and early uh, 80s when so they I mean, died. You know, we're still, also, it's a constitutional issue, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I, I'm not quite sure if that's the fight, given the many other fights uh, that we're kind of looking at around gerrymandering, that we're looking around uh, election law, uh, stealing our votes. Uh, the Electoral at, College. You know, all the other things that are out there. Yeah. Gus in uh, New York City. Gus, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, hi, Congressman. Um, here, here in New York, we just had um, an announcement uh, yesterday that um, a lot of the charter schools in New York are going to be able to hire teachers that don't have a teacher's license. They don't have a degree in education, and that was just announced yesterday. Um, I'm wondering, and but that's only for the charter schools that are overseen by the SUNY system. So I think it's about 60-some-odd charter schools in New York City. Um, what's the view, what's your view and the view of the caucus on charter schools? Because I know a lot of Democrats actually support them. Yeah, you know, I, I think the language I'd use is slightly different because state-to-state -state charters are a little different. And in some cases, there's public school charters that are completely within the, the public school system. So I, I think I like to use it when you have taxpayer funds going to private schools. So when you have the vouchers, which is generally charters in many, many states, but because it's not the same in every state, I use slightly different language. You know, that I, I think is an attack on the public school system, right, which is the great equalizer. When you take money out of the public school system, Wisconsin is one of the first states in the country to do this. So I know this very well from when I was in our state legislature. Uh, eventually, you know, they cherry pick the students that they're taking. So they don't take kids with uh, any kind of uh, developmental disabilities. They don't take uh, anyone who might be a, a problem within the school system. They don't, they don't take certain types of people. And at the end of the day, you've taken money out of public schools while they're cherry picking students, often who already are attending a private school, uh, and then it becomes a really a tax subsidy rather than anything to improve education. And bottom line, their results aren't any better in, in study after study after study. So I think it's really an attempt to try to take to destroy public schools 
and that great promise that we have that everyone should have access to a good quality public education. Yeah. Congressman, we just have 30 seconds. Uh, thoughts on, on uh, uh, Betsy DeVos? Um, awful. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she's one of the worst. Well, I mean, she's leading the you know, charge. In her confirmation or, hearing, pretty much admitted if she wasn't a really rich person who gave a lot of money to politicians, she probably never would have been considered because she has absolutely no expertise in public schools whatsoever. One of the things that I've heard is that one of her main goals is to Christianize our schools. Um, I've seen old quotes to that effect. I, I, well, we're hitting a break here. I'll, we'll, we'll continue the conversation in a minute. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us taking your calls. It's Middays with Mark in the Tom Harbin program. Uh, we're coming up on 28 minutes past the hour. We'll be picking up more of your calls uh, right after this. You can reach Congressman Pocan. His web website is pocan.house.gov, G-O-V. And uh, his Twitter handle is Rep Mark Pocan. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Back with more of your calls for Congressman Pocan right after this. What Troy and uh, Louise and I like about Harry's is their amazingly high-quality shave. It's smooth and close, just how a shave should be. And Harry's passes savings along to you by selling directly over the Internet. No more frustrating drugstore trips. Harry's knows some of you guys might be skeptical of trying out a new razor brand. So instead of just telling you, Harry's wants to prove that you'll love their stuff with their free trial. They made this special free trial with everything you need to evaluate Harry's. It's customizable. You can try it for free. It's a $13 value. Someone from the Harry's team will even check in and see how your trial is going. It's 100% risk-free guaranteed. You can even call and cancel or get a refund whenever you want. So why not give Harry's a shot and judge for yourself? Head over to harrys.com slash tom, T-H-O-M, to get it now. Get started with your Harry's free trial offer today. All you'll cover is just a few bucks in shipping. You get your free trial set, including the handle, blade, shave gel, and travel blade cover. Go to harrys.com. It's harrys with an S dot com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. That's harrys.com slash Tom. Don't wait. Get started with Harry's today. And welcome back. Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us, taking your calls in our Middays with Mark segment here on the Tom Hartman program. And Congressman, you're, I, I see you're still there. And okay, Charles in Laguna Woods, California. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Charles? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. You're on the air. Connection just faded out. Good morning, Congressman. Hey, I, I called. I'm uh, curious to know, uh, at the leadership level particularly, are Democrats beginning to talk? Uh, is there a willingness to express how funding uh, can be determined for necessary programs, education to grade 16 infrastructure? I mean, the reality of that funding is a readiness to express a willingness to tax the billionaire class of real ed corporate persons. Do you sense that kind of conversation going on? Well, yes. Um, you know, Charles, I think part of the conversation, I mean, infrastructure, you know, already I think the Democrats have put a trillion-dollar plan out in our budgets that we just uh, put out there. Uh, the Progressive Caucus has a two-trillion-dollar investment. We even go a little broader in really trying to address the real backlog we have in this country. So we, we are seeing Democrats talk like that. And also uh, we are seeing Democrats talk about the devastating budget cuts that Donald Trump and the Republicans put out there what that means to programs, from food assistance for poor and, and hungry kids uh, to funding for education, um, research, etc. So I, I'm seeing those conversations absolutely happen, and I think, we're, more importantly, we're seeing the American people have those conversations. When the president talks about cutting Meals on Wheels that provides uh, meals to, to seniors who are living in their homes and maybe not able to get out too often, um, you know, that's something that people just don't agree with. So we're, we're seeing, I think, an elevated conversation about what the responsibility of government is, which requires money, and that's part of, uh, I think, what's going to move us forward looking into the elections in 2018. Ed in Saginaw, Michigan. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, this is Ed Boyke. Up here in Saginaw, we got a sign. I belong to the American Legion. We got a sign on front that no FNL games will be shown here until they start respecting the vets. And another thing is how come uh, nothing's brought up about all the spying we did on uh, the mother countries. It's always Russia. Okay. Congressman. Yeah, I mean, so, Ed, I think, you know, to the first point, I mean, we've had 
a lot of concerns over, you know, we uh, say we support the military and we, we talk about, you know, the issue of a knee and what it means to support the people who serve this country, and yet we don't honorably uh, support them. I mean, when you look at uh, people who are serving in the country who are still living below poverty, people who are veterans who need to make sure that we keep up to our promise in health care and other things, and so often the Republicans aren't funding that like they are funding the military contractors. So I appreciate where you're coming from and your concern and raise that with elected officials. Uh, don't let them have just lip service that they support the military or veterans. Make them show it in their budgets because that's where it really matters. And, uh, you know, secondly, I mean, obviously there's things that our country has done as well. The bottom line right now is I think we have to make sure that no one's interfering with our elections. That's our obligation as a country and as elected officials. And uh, that's what we've been doing, whether it be Russia or anyone else that would try to uh, come in and attack our systems. Uh, we have to protect that uh, as something that I would argue should belongs in our uh, critical infrastructure definition, like we have the financial systems and the electric grid. So uh, hopefully we can provide more security so that it doesn't matter who it is, uh, no one's interfering with elections. Michael in Chicago, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, Congressman, I'm Michael from Chicago. I believe that it's very important. I believe it's very important that we tell the public about 17-year-old kids voting in primaries in the United States. A lot of people in the United States don't know that in 16 states and in Washington D.C. They allow kids that are 17-year-olds to vote in primaries if they make their 18th birthday by the November 18 election. Now, in Illinois, the primary is coming up March 20th real quickly. And if young people, if they want to vote in the primaries, they have to register to vote one or two months before the primary. Now, isn't it a good idea to publicize this? And what about your state? Uh, does your state have 17-year-old kids voting? Yeah, you know, Michael, I think, I think you just did help publicize it. And for those people who live in the states, I think the, the trickiness, though, is uh, in Illinois, it's a month or two, whatever the deadline is, you have to qualify. In Wisconsin, uh, we have same-day registration, but I don't believe we have 17-year-old voting, but we have same-day registration. I would argue we need to look at all fronts when it comes to voting. Um, same-day registration is a great system. And even Scott Walker, who's one of, I think, the governors the most willing to take away voting rights in the country, couldn't go after it because his own son registered on the day of an election and was able to vote, so he couldn't be that much of a hypocrite. The more we can get out those ideas about how to make it so that everyone can get to vote, we don't care how they vote ultimately. I mean, obviously I do care, but the bottom line is we have to make sure that everyone has that right to get out there and vote, and there's a lot of things that we're trying to tackle to get to that side. But thank you for raising the issue for those people who are in those jurisdictions. It's important to get that message out. Dave in Evansville, Wisconsin. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, um, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. All right. Um, hi, Mark. This is Dave Santamal in Evansville. Um, I wanted to talk to you about Facebook. I'm really concerned about this situation because we haven't we have had laws for many generations about media companies not selling advertising to foreign uh, people or entities during an election. And how did Facebook think that they were going to get away with that? Yeah. So Dave, first of all, uh, you're from my district. So thank you for calling Evansville's in, uh, the part of rock County that I have Tom, the other part, uh, Paul Ryan has, and, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a story for another day. But, um, uh, Dave, you know, I think what, one of the things, if I understand the Facebook story right, is they're just saying that the entities that bought it later, they're tracing back. I don't think when uh, you put an ad on Facebook, they're determining uh, if you are an outside entity, and that's maybe one of the issues that's come up out of this. Do they have to have some kind of screening different to make sure of that? Uh, does not ha that's not happening. Um, and I think it's some of the lessons we're learning from what happened, because uh, we've also been told that the Russians plan to continue doing this, in future uh, U.S. elections, and they're doing it in other democracy elections in Europe and other places. So um, I, I think that that's part of why uh, I think on Capitol Hill, as we bring some of these folks in front of committees, those will be the questions we're getting at. But right now, if you were to put a Facebook ad up, uh, the scrutiny is relatively minimal, and I think that uh, they're saying that, that you know they weren't able to catch that at the time, and after the fact, they've been able to find all this. And they've been to be fair, very open to sharing this with the government. Yeah, in fact, Sheryl Sandberg was on um, Axios this morning and MSNBC rebroadcast it. She's the COO, I think, or C. Uh, anyway, she's the head person at Facebook. 
And she emphatically said, we are not a media company. We, we are, you know, we're a data platform or whatever the word was. And I think that was, you know, I think they're, they're trying desperately not to be regulated like a media company. But anyhow. Yeah, I think that's where the, some of the, the questions will come out of the hearings. About, yeah. You know, a lot of this is new, right? Yeah, absolutely. John, in Jeffersonville, Ohio, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes. Uh, hi, gentlemen. I just uh, my concern is that there's a lot of crazy going on in the in the uh, uh, White House, and there's a lot of these people that are talking about and they're concerned about his uh, instability. And my my question is, behind the scenes, with when you're talking in the cloakroom, are other Republicans starting to get concerned about this? Yeah, John. Uh, even more important is they're starting to talk publicly about this, right? I mean, when Bob Corker came out and said he's worried about World War III that this president could be leading, or uh, Ben Sass uh, just came out and said, uh, you know, don't you respect the First Amendment rights that you've given your oath uh, as president to be? You're starting to see more and more Republicans kind of pushing back going, you know, you're, you know he, he wants to be conveniently blame everyone but himself on every issue, and then he takes credit for everything else, uh, including, of course, giving paper towels to the people of Puerto Rico. And, you know, I think that's the difference is a lot of elected officials are starting to just really have had enough of his style and the fact that they're willing to do it publicly, uh, even more important, uh, that's going to help us. I think at some point, if we have to do something, we're getting more and more people on record who've just been tired of how this white house operates. This isn't normal for Democrats or Republicans. Jerry in Seattle, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Jerry. Hello? Uh, yeah, you're on the air, Jerry. Oh, okay, great. Hey, so my concern is what's being done to remove Trump from office before he does irreparable harm, not only to the United States, but the world. I know that you spoke about the 25th Amendment. Um, what would that look like and how would that be enacted? And why can't we just take a simple no-confident vote? I don't think it would be that difficult to even get a supermajority at this point uh, in yeah. favor of removing him from office. So, Jerry, I, I still think it would be difficult. I mean, we are watching all this very close as we look at, you know, the options around impeachment. If uh, there, there's probably multiple fronts where uh, that could potentially bubble up uh, on the 25th Amendment, uh, more difficult because of the current structure of how it happens with the cabinet making the decision, all appointed by the president. But we still have a case to make sure that more Republicans, while they're now starting to come out and criticize him, they're maybe not at the point to say you're going to remove him from office. And I think that that's where the calls from people across the country to their elected officials, even if they don't always agree with you, the more time they get the calls that there's concerns, that people are worried about a world war uh, because of North Korea or Iran because of the president's actions, that'll help us get there. So we have more work to do on that front, but there is progress. And again, we're seeing uh, unprecedented levels of uh, Republicans, you know, both more vocally and less vocally, uh, sharing that concern. But I don't think we're quite there yet, but we've got to keep building the case. You mentioned Ben Sass and uh, Bob Corker. They're both the Republican senators. Are, are there any Republican members of the House who have spoken out, to the best of your knowledge, publicly? You know, I'll tell you what we've seen more in the House, quite honestly, are people like Charlie Dent, who's a moderate from Pennsylvania, saying he's leaving Congress because uh, you know, why, why stick around? And right. unfortunately, that's the path we've seen a little more of the House representatives. Paul Ryan certainly hasn't shown a spine for at least a year. Yeah. Well, Paul Ryan's showing his spine. <laughs> it's kind of an oxymoron. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. Middays with Mark right here on the Tom Hartman program. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. You can tweet Congressman Pocan at Rep Mark Pocan, and his website is pocan.house.gov. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Dave, watching Free Speech TV in Greenfield, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pokin. Yeah, hi, Congressman. I was wondering if you could tell us about the uh, health care program that provided health care for 9 million children that wasn't reauthorized by Congress and what could be done to uh, help save that health care. Yeah, great question, Dave. Um, so September 30th is a deadline for a number of programs. One, being the CHIP program, which helps, uh, as you said, uh, about 9 million children across the country. Uh, another being funding for community health centers, which, again, helps people who uh, maybe don't have health insurance or can't afford uh, to go to a doctor. Also, the Perkins Loans program, which is something I've been working very actively on. Um, I think we have 230 or 40 uh, House members as sponsors, and yet we can't get a vote 
uh, so that that's another program that expired technically on September 30th. Now, there's probably a little bit of time we have to work on these things before there's actually huge problems. Uh, for example, on Perkins loans, December is really our drop dead time. So we're continuing to do everything we can to get those things done. Um, it's just, uh, you know, this is a Congress that can't function. We're leaving a day early because they don't even know what to vote on this week because they can't ha control their own members. Uh, and, uh, you know, what will probably wind up happening is some of the stuff will be thrown into some kind of package bill in the end because the Tea Party can't screw it up uh, because of the stupid rules that the House Republicans uh, follow. Um, so uh, we're watching all of those right now. It's not a crisis yet, even though technically they've expired on September 30th. But every day we don't act, we are getting closer to a crisis point. And all of a sudden, they may try to slip the things that got some of the provisions of these in the end. And we have to be very vigilant to watch for that. Right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, A, this is a program that Hillary Clinton championed or maybe even helped create, which might have something to do with Trump's animosity. And B, um, the states that are going to get hit the hardest or are going to run out of money earliest uh, tend to be the blue states that have been, you know, uh, generous is not quite the right word, but uh, that, that have been doing outreach to get people into the CHIP program. Am I right on that? I, I believe so, especially on the second part. I can't address the first part. Um, part of it, too, is just on health care in general right now, there's complete dysfunction, you know, because uh, they're so desperate to try to have a win so they can start tax reform for their, their rich friends and benefactors. So um, anything around health care, it, it becomes more controversial than it needs to be. Okay. And Phyllis, we got a minute to the break. Phyllis, quick question for okay. Congressman Pocan. Is there any hope of getting rid of the Electoral College? Great question. Phyllis, I think we have a, a real educational opportunity to talk about that, the fact that two recent elections, the person who uh, won the popular vote didn't become president because of the Electoral College vote, and maybe that's an antiquated idea. Not with this Congress. I don't think there's a, a chance, but this is something that we need to keep having conversations about. It's not a partisan issue. It's a where are we as a modern America and does this still work in the way it was intended? Well, and, and given that one of the ways that it was intended was to give more weight to the slave states, yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's working the way it was intended, but well, and shouldn't the intentions the change? Small states versus large states and all the rest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is a... Uh, but, but, the, but the Electoral College, the, uh, do you know the sta status of... Uh, oh, we're, we're, we're hitting the break here. I was just... One of these days, Congressman, we're going to have to have a conversation or we should talk on the, on the air about the, this program where uh, uh, the various states, you know, will commit basically that blows away the Electoral College, but does it on a state-by-state -state level. But we're, we're hitting a break here. So we'll, we'll be right back with more calls for Congressman Mark Pocan right after this. Welcome back. It's Middays with Mark on the Tom Hartman Program. Congressman Mark Pocan of Wisconsin taking your calls, the co-chair of the, of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. And Mark in Chicago, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Mark in Hi, Chicago. Hi, good morning. Hi, Tom, Congressman. Hey. Um, um, I, um, I just have a really simple yes or no question for you. Um, I think you're fantastic. Progressive, you speak. Um, I think to all communities, all demographics around the country and your values um, just resonate with, you know, all regions of America. And so my question is, are you considering running for president in 2020? Mark, it's very flattering. Uh, no, uh, will be the answer. Uh, we're doing a lot of movement building in Washington right now around building power for progressives. Uh, Tom, I just got, I think, three or four new members uh, for the Progressive Caucus in the last couple weeks. Uh, oh, that's more great. More people are coming to our way. We got 108 votes on the floor of Congress, a dozen more than we've ever gotten previously on our version of the budget, which has got a lot of really great ideas in there. I I've got a lot of work to do on that front. And then, you know, when we have candidates, we're going to make sure they run progressive races. But thank you. Um, for your question, Mark, but uh, lots of work to do we can do outside of that. Dave in Racine, Wisconsin, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello. 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 You're on the air. Yeah, this is, yeah. I've got a question on the, the shootings in Las Vegas. Who gets to pay all the hospital bills for the 550 people or 60 people that were shot there? 
and don't as long as Republicans don't want to have anyone pay for their uh, birth controller, they don't want to pay for that. Who's insurance or who pays for the the, you mean the health the care shot? Healthcare, yeah. Las Vegas. yeah, Dave. I, I think what you're doing is making a great point, which is you know. Um, <laughs> The reason you, you would want to have a system that takes care of people in a country, is, for healthcare especially, is because it's a shared, uh, something that we can all experience at some point in our life, and you can't just have policies that would decide you might get shot when you go to Las Vegas, right? Uh, and that's part of the, the hypocrisy of what the Republicans are doing right now. So um, you know, I'm assuming right now the insurance companies and those who don't have it, the hospitals are going to be picking up the tab on all this. But the bottom line is, why don't we just have health care for everyone? Why don't we have a Medicare for all system? If we had that, uh, all of these conversations would quite honestly be uh, non-starters. Yeah. I saw an article uh, uh, over the weekend, I believe it was, uh, specifically about this, uh, that profiled several of the people who are in the hospital right now who are racking up six-figure hospital bills, or what will be by the time they're done. And um, uh, the hospital is, is going to go, go after them. I mean, some have insurance, some don't. I mean, it's, it's, this is going to be a tough thing for these folks. It's going to be really and tough. And the hospital will probably wind up absorbing a lot of the bills. In the many cases. Because it's going to bankrupt people. I mean, it's going to bankrupt like people. the new currency for this administration. Yeah, and it's going to bankrupt people. This, is, this yeah. is just crazy. Jim, in Minneapolis, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, uh, good morning. Uh, uh, Leslie Stahl, on 60 Minutes on Sunday, interviewed Brad Pascal, who was the uh, digital director for Trump's campaign, and he talked about how they were using social media, and in particular, Facebook, to target and reach voters on the issues, issues most important to them. In fact, they were sending out, at one time, 50 to 60 targeted ads, individualized ads, to uh, potential voters. What is the Democratic Party doing now to use similar technology to reach voters? Yeah, you know, I don't know if I can give you, Jim, a perfect answer on the DNC because the DNC is a separate entity. Um, I know that among many Democrats who run for Congress, we also use Facebook ads because, quite honestly, they're very effective at targeting people who have specific interests that might uh, you know, appeal to a certain candidate. Um, but we're also using it around certain issues uh, and trying to create some awareness and uh, build support for that. So I can't speak specifically to your question to the DNC just because I don't know their day-to-day -day operations, but Democrats in general also use this as a tool. Yeah. Okay. Oop, hang on just a second here. There we go. Ron, in Rapid City, South Dakota, you are on the Earth, Congressman Pocan. Congressman, just a couple of questions for you. The first one is a suggestion. I pay a lot of taxes every year. And uh, I wonder if it would be possible to sponsor a bill where the Internal Revenue Service, when they send out your tax forms or when you file your tax forms, is required to send a form with that that asks you how your money should be spent. Now, well, there's, there's a flip side of that, Ron. If I may, Ron, that great. If I can point this out, Michael Moore has this in his movie, uh, Who to Conquer Next or Who to Invade Next, I guess is the title. And that is that uh, I think it was Finland or Sweden or Switzerland, whatever country it was. When you get your uh, tax bill at the end of the year, it literally breaks out where all that money went. You know, your $1,312 that you're paying in taxes this year, you know, $600 of it is going to the military, $300 of it is going to educate, blah, blah, blah. Could we do something like that? Yeah, and, and I think that, Tom, would be perhaps the better suggestion because I do worry a little bit about unknown programs that do really great work people wouldn't know about because there's so many federal programs. But once you break it out and people see, for example, foreign assistance is less than 1% of the budget and people think it's a much higher percent, you can really help um, show how much we spend on military and maybe how little we spend on human needs, especially in the country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have one minute left. And uh, let's get a real quick question in here. And Ike in, in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Ike, very quick yeah. question, please. Yeah, you know, there's so many things, and I'm so mad. Uh, I, I, I know I can't cuss. But there's so many things I'd like to talk about, but I, I, I got I to gotta put this out on the air. Would, would you people, everybody, you, sir, and anybody that's listening, would you please rush uh, Walt, water filtration uh, apparatuses like Brita and Pure and LifeStraw that you can airdrop and distribute easily to the people in Puerto Rico. Okay, Ike, thank you for the call. Congressman? Still 
knowing there's a lot to be done in Puerto Rico, even though the president's saying he wants to start bringing FEMA back soon, which is crazy, and I don't know why he put that out this morning. About a third of the people in Puerto Rico still don't have clean drinking water, but 90% still don't have electricity. There's a lot of work that has to happen. I do think now more uh, goods are coming in, but of course the Jones Act repeal is over, which people think could have some ramifications, and there's some other issues that... Uh, we just have right. to do to, to get the goods there. Part of it is in more remote areas. It's been a little tougher to get things. Yeah, we got to wrap it can't up. can't pull out. Congressman, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Great talking with you. We'll be back. Hey, Tom Harbin here with the Tom Harbin Program. You know I'm serious about my health, and so I'm doing something for it. You've heard me talking about Super Beets. I'm drinking Super Beets, circulation superfood powder that helps support my heart and healthy blood pressure, too. I have amazing energy, amazing stamina as well. The New York Times calls beets fitness in a glass. With Super Beets, I get all the benefits without the bad taste or added sugar. Mix it in water or a smoothie for a jitter-free energy boost. You'll love the taste of Super Beets and feel results in as little as 20 minutes guaranteed of your money back. Try the original berry or black cherry. I like them both. If you haven't tried it yet, now is the time. Only for the summer, you can try Super Beets, maybe the early fall here. Try Super Beets for only $5.95. Here's how. Call now and get a free box of Super Beats with 10 packets to try and feel the results. Plus two free indicator strips for monitoring your nitric oxide levels before and after taking Super Beats. It's just $5.95. You'll love the results, guaranteed. More energy, more stamina, support healthy circulation. What are you waiting for? Call 800-568-9889. That's 800-568-9889. Or go to TomsBeats.com. That's TomsBeats.com. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And on the line with us, our old friend Greg Palace, the investigative journalist, filmmaker, author. His uh, most recent film, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. His website, gregpalast.com. You can tweet him at Greg underscore Palast, just like Tom underscore Hartman. Greg, welcome back. Glad to be with you, Tom. Yeah, it's great, great talking with you. So there's, there's been a lot going on. You and I have been talking a little bit in the background about this in, in email and whatnot. The, the whole DeAndre Harris thing uh, out of Charlottesville, first of all, uh, remind us who he is and why this, why this is a big issue, and then tell us about the, 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 these latest developments that are just so bizarre and horrid. Yes, DeAndre Harris is an African-American school teacher in his 20s in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, he was, uh, you know, counter-demonstrating uh, against uh, the neo-Nazis, last month, and um, he was attacked. He was attacked uh, by, um, uh, in fact, we now have the, the names of the people, the two of them have been arrested, Dan Borden, a uh, uh, white supremacist. He attacked DeAndre Harris with a four-foot hunk of lumber. Uh, he also, and then uh, another guy named uh, Michael Ramos is charged with uh, beating DeAndre Harris with brass knuckles. Another uh, third gentleman, if you could call him that, the white supremacist, while he was on the ground, was hitting him with a um, with a metal rod, and they've just identified him. And there was also, by the way, um, but there's been no attempt by the FBI to find him, is a guy who pulled out a nine millimeter Glock. By the way, we only know about this because Zach D. Roberts, the photographer on my team, was right there filming the beating. Thank God he was there because it scared them off. The, uh, the gunman uh, um, you know, looked at uh, Roberts and could have taken out uh, uh, Zach on the spot, but Zach continued shooting anyway, and the gunman decided uh, he didn't want to shoot while being shot by the camera. But here's the, here's the horror story. Well, the story is horrible enough. No action was taken until I called FBI agents at their homes and on their cell phones because despite Jeff Sessions, Jeff Beauregard's Sessions saying he was going to make the Charlotte attacks a top priority with his top people, nothing was happening, even though we actually identified through social media the people that nearly beat this school teacher to death and pulled the gun. Now, the Charlottesville police finally reluctantly charged those guys with a crime uh, with uh, uh, with assault, but guess what? They a uh, magistrate in Charlottesville also uh, filed an arrest warrant for DeAndre Harris, the victim, crawling on the ground. You should see the pictures. Go to gregpalace.com. See this young man bleeding profusely, half conscious, seventeen staples in his head. How he survived it, I don't know. 
Um, and by the way, uh, one of these guys was also uh, assaulted, did assault uh, Zach with a uh, with like a, a, a like a Confederate flagpole or something like that, and threw it just past his head. We actually have it on uh, on film. So they charged DeAndre Harris because they said because the white supremacist claimed and believe ready that they're acting in self defense that he this school teacher with not uh, completely unharmed attacked them and in self defense they hit him with bre- with a uh, with uh, metal rods uh, brass knuckles uh, hunks of lumber and threatened them with a gun. Well, this a, a this is the south. Yeah, that was self defense. A, this is the South, and B, essentially, isn't that what white cops have been saying forever whenever they decide to, to you know, take out a black, black man? Yeah, it's self-defense. But, you, but the difference here is that we have the photos. We have the photos of this young man crawling on the ground trying to get away from this deadly beating, and he gets charged with the same crime they are, as if it were somehow equivalent, being beaten, uh, is well, isn't the charge uh, that he that he had beaten th- while black was his crime? I guess. Yeah, but but isn't the charge that the reason that they beat him is because he had uh, initially uh, gone after in some way one of them? Well, you have to understand our before the attack, our photographer Zach D. Roberts was attacked by Diane Borden with with a Confederate flagpole. His friend tried to do the same thing to DeAndre Harris and his friend. They attacked him, and DeAndre tried to whack away this flagpole. Remember, again, they, they tried to beat uh, our photographer with it. Right. So they were going after everyone they didn't like. So that, so that then, was DeAndre Harris's— But because it was a black man— um, DeAndre you know, Harris's crime, his, 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 quote, assault, assaulting another person, uh, end quote, was, was trying to defend himself from being beaten with a, with a Confederate flag on a pole? Yeah. And Holy that was supposedly crap. his provocation, trying to get, get away with this being attacked. Uh, and again, we have on, by the way, we have uh, Zach Roberts, actually, when he was, when this uh, pole was thrown at him, it whizzes with a metal tip, whizzes just past his head. We have a photo of it whizzing past his head. Zach held his ground and took a picture of this, this bat as it was coming at him. But, wow. you know, then they went after uh, Harris and his friend, and then they just you know, literally beat this guy nearly to death. But the, the point here is that a magistrate in Charlottesville, a white magistrate, charged this young black teacher with, with causing, and not only, it wasn't just assault, which, because that could mean no harm, that he actually caused bodily harm to these armed with guns and brass knuckles, white supremacists, that he attacked them and caused them harm Amazing. Um, the same charge that was leveled against them. Actually, the charge should have been much more severe against the white supremacists. Yeah, they should be and attempted the murder. Way, the FBI still has done nothing to get the guy with the 9-millimeter Glock in his hand. That's a real serious business. And by the way, Tom, these are really should be federal charges. You know, I, one of the reasons I had the FBI cell phone numbers of agents to push this thing is I used to work with the FBI and uh, before as an investigative reporter. And I got to tell you, when you cross state lines with the purpose of committing harm in concert with others, that's racketeering, that's a felony crime, uh, and it's a federal crime. Why isn't the FBI making a bust here? That's a very good question. Uh, Greg, we have just two minutes until we're going to hit a hard break. Um, uh, Another story that you have been uh, (laughs) the champion on is Chris Kobach and the Republican Party's efforts to uh, prevent, principally, people of color, older people, and younger people from voting. What's the status of this? And, and this, this week uh, we have some new news, which is that the ACLU was able to obtain the secret memo, one of the secret memos he sent to Donald Trump. Now, understand that Kobach is head of Donald Trump's so-called Elections Integrity Commission, rewriting the laws of the nation. And the courts ordered him to divulge the memos, because we have supposedly an open government, the memos he was sending to the president. He sent the memos. I want you to take a look. If you, if you, have, if you're, if you are watching this, um, this is what he gave us. Yeah, Greg is waving a page that a page is a white page with giant black squares on it. Except for two, has been blacked out. That's, that's his concept of open government, uh, Mr. Trump and his minion, Mr. Kobach. But the, even the lines that were there, the, about the four lines and four pages that were visible, were scary enough, Tom. God mm. knows what's in the stuff that's blanked out. But it was to change the Voting Rights Act 
to amend it to say instead of the requirement that states can that states can require you to provide minimum uh, uh, information that you are a citizen and that uh, that uh, you know provide your ID. He wanted to change law that says that states can demand that you prove your citizenship. Now you may say, well, yeah, only citizens in America should vote. Because how many citizens in America have that proof? It's called a passport. Basically, a passport is almost a, a white instrument of identity. It's like five percent of the population has passports. Yeah, it's minor, and it's and it's rich people. In other words, rich white people, Republicans, yeah. the otherwise called by, by and large people who can take European vacations. Yeah, you can. Yeah, <laughs> Greg Palast, investigative journalist, author, filmmaker, the best democracy money can buy. Check it out; it's online. GregPalast.com for everything we've been talking about. Greg, thanks so much for being with us. You're very welcome. Bye. Great talking to you. We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be back with your calls after this. Welcome back. And oh, there we go. Welcome back. It's kind of cold in the studio here. <laughs> We're figuring out the temperature. Oh, my. What a day. What a day. Uh, J.O. in Washington. Hey, J.O., what's up? Hello. Uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, offer a possible solution for this NFL problem, <laughs> or the players' problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, my thoughts were that if the players themselves came out and uh, said the Pledge of Allegiance with a small change, instead in place of with liberty and justice for all, while we strive for liberty and justice for all. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think it matters what they do, J.O. The president is going to, yeah, I mean, these are basically black men who are, who are protesting injustices against black men. And, and Donald Trump has, turned, has characterized them as people who hate the United States and don't respect the flag or the national anthem, which is complete BS. And, uh, you know, these are, the, uh, if, if anything, protest is the most patriotic thing an American can do. So, I mean, you know, our country was founded on protest. Our, you know, protest is the great American tradition. Protest was enshrined in the First Amendment. The First Amendment doesn't just say freedom of speech. It doesn't just say freedom of the press. It says freedom of assembly, right? You have the right to, to, uh, to, to gather together, to assemble together and protest and uh, deliver grievances against your own government. You have that right. And, 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 you know, I get it. This is a commercial enterprise. It's the NFL, blah, 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 blah. They can, they can say, you know, this is not the government that's preventing them. But Donald Trump is the government now. And he, as the government, or he's, you know, a major part of it, the, the head of one of the three branches of government, is trying to basically destroy these guys' right to protest. And I think it's just a terrible, terrible thing. Marge in New Mexico. Hey, Marge, what's on your mind? Uh, good morning, Tom. Since you're moving back to New to um, Oregon, I want to suggest to you, in case you don't know about it, the most gorgeous beach ever I've ever been to. It's abandoned by the beach. It's about 300 miles north of California and just south of Coos Bay. Gorgeous, gorgeous beach to watch. Huh. To walk, uh, huge uh, rocks. Also, at least 10, 12 or more uh, different kinds of seaweed you can harvest and cook with, etc. It's gorgeous. So when okay. you need to walk, uh, it's beautiful. Okay. Well, thanks. Secondly, thanks for the tip. Um, I'm, I'm calling about, you were calling, talking about voting machines. Here in New Mexico, we have paper ballots, and we put them into machines, and they're counted. If those machines, it seems to me, are owned by private corporations, we don't know what's inside and how well, how much uh, our votes can be uh, distorted once inside. Sure, the machines can count and say, well, there were 500,000 people that voted, but what about the individual votes on our paper ballots? Right. Can you can you help me decipher? Yeah, no, I, you're, you 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 have you've cracked the code. You've cracked the code, Marge. You're you're absolutely right. And the, the, this is this is problem two. Problem one is is like the entire state of Georgia using voting touchscreen voting machines that produce no paper trail whatsoever. So it's impossible to audit a vote. And the audit is, hey, what did the voting machine say? Oh, yeah, okay, that's what it said. I mean, that's that's pretty much how they do it. Um, on the other hand, uh, places, uh, well, Oregon, for example, you know, it's a vote by mail. 
they're, so they're all 100% paper ballots, but those paper ballots get read by uh, sc- scanning machines that scan them and are programmable and are owned by, now in the case of Oregon, I'm not sure that, you know, I may be, I may be wrong on this, but I believe that in all states, and like I said, I, there may be a few where this is not the case, but I believe in all states or most states, they, they lease these machines or they buy, they, they, the, the government agencies don't actually own the machines, or if they do, they don't own the code, they don't own the programming in the machines. And even the counting, the ones that count the paper ballots, and so my solution to that would be to say that uh, machines using machines that count paper ballots have to be open source. You know, I don't mind if government is buying machines from private companies, but have the software be open source so that we can all see it. We can all know, you know, that the count is actually accurate. It'll be less profit for the companies that are selling the machines because right now they got this whole proprietary shtick going on. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have the latest news and information from Wall Street and Main Street, all points in between, plus the best of the rest of the news. And don't forget, democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.